Welcome to the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. We are your source on what's going on at the university, the Alumni Association, and all things Runner Nation. Because now and forever, we are Roadrunners. Roadrunners. Welcome, Runner Nation, to another episode of the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association, a podcast by runners for runners. And I am your host, Drew Addison. And with me, as always, is my beautiful wife, Yvonne. How are you today? Doing good. So, a couple of weeks, not always the best coming out of uh, uh, dual losses, unfortunately, by the UTSA Roadrunners on the football side. But all things considered, there's all sorts of things happening at the university. Yeah. Um, last week, we had the first annual UTSA Classic College of Engineering and Integrated Design Construction Appreciation Week. And Yvonne, you and I as industry uh, sit within the construction realm. So it was an honor to be asked to go and participate in this first week. So you were on a panel. And how, mm-hmm. how was that? Yeah, experience? no, it was great. Um, um, we, there was several industry folks on this panel. We had a chance to talk with students, current students, about, you know, different aspects about our career journeys following college and what we do today and some of the, you know, industry challenges that we face and kind of just sharing our stories on different things. Um, and we had really thoughtful questions from the students about some of the specifics that we shared. And so we got to elaborate. We stuck around afterwards, got to chat with them more one-on-one. It was a really well-organized event. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a really cool way to start off the week with a panel discussion like that yeah. with alumni and, and get the students engaged that way. And then there were some additional events for students directly with regards to the student organization and firing those things back up. On Wednesday, I was a keynote speaker for the industry mixer at the main campus, which was interesting. I inundated everybody with a bunch of data. So yeah. <laughs> uh, a bit of my uh, uh, public speaking defense mechanism there. But well attended, obviously. Great hospitality by the, the college and the university there. And then they wrapped it up with a recruitment event mm-hmm. on Friday with uh, over 70 high school students come to the university to learn more about construction science and management. That's awesome. So all in all, great work by the team and what a fantastic week it was. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. Yvonne, what else do we have going on at the University and Alumni Association? Yeah. So uh, UTSA recently announced that they are going to be freezing tuition once again for another two years. So tuition rates are going to stay at the fall 2021 rates. And so roughly for a 12-hour course semester um, in undergraduate, tuition runs a little shy of $5,000 a semester. So still a really, it can be an affordable, great education. I mean, value for your dollar is definitely there if you come to UTSA. So I'm excited that tuition will be in place 2023, 24 and 24, 2025. Trying to insulate that inflation cost. Yeah. No, I mean, any every little bit helps for sure. Absolutely. Um, I was excited about this announcement uh, when I saw it pop up that UTSA it has brought on Tejano Star. This woman is a legend. Shelly Lares. She's going to be the School of Music's artist in residence for 2023-2024. She has 25 albums to her name. She is one of the, I mean, over 40 years in the industry and singing alongside some incredibly Grammy winning talent as well throughout her time. 
So she's going to be coming in and she's going to be giving lectures on uh, music technology classes to help students master innovative recording and editing techniques. Uh, she'll also be coaching UTSA vocal students, including the mariachi ensemble, and you know to really kind of help impart some of the things she's learned throughout her life and career in the Tejano industry. And she'll also be helping to conceptualize some programming to develop uh, musicians in contemporary Latin styles. So I'm really excited about this. That's I, I awesome. We she, need to try to get her on the show. <gasps> I love that idea. Yes. Make note. <laughs> Shelly Lattice, if you're listening, That's we right. would love for you come to on. come on the Birds Up podcast. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Uh, well, I do want to add a little bit of space news. And I know, I know you would appreciate some space news. I love space news. Um, our good friend and friend of the podcast, Dr. Chris Packham from the astronomy department at UTSA, shared some really interesting news that NASA is starting to plan for the next Grand Space Telescope after the James Webb Telescope. A key goal will be to search for life around different planets now that they have the technology and experience from the work of the James Webb Space Telescope to really pursue this goal. The launch is planned for mid-2030s or potentially as far out as 2040. But Congress is is appropriating an initial fund of $50 million to start on the initial design. And NASA put together a science and technology committee linking industry, NASA, and academia. And last week, they announced the person selected to serve and Dr. Chris Packham from UTSA Astronomy was selected for the committee. Yeah, so that's awesome. uh, you know, go back in time, listen to his episode, learn what he did for the James Webb Space Telescope and what he did for the university on getting over 50 hours dedicated to UTSA for the students. And just for some perspective on how the design of these things works is for the James Webb Space Telescope, it took 20,000 people around the world 25 years to get that thing launched. So Dr. Packham is one of the early group charged to take on this work, although he said that he'll be around 70 before this one launches. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations, Dr. Packham. It's really awesome. And it's really cool to see UTSA in the forefront there onto new frontiers. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and jump into the episode today. We had a really incredible interview with our guest, Charlie Moak, who is a senior business development specialist at UTSA's Minority Business Development Agency Center. And Charlie has over 20 years of people and project management experience serving as a strategist, a facilitator, or a functional specialist in helping businesses strategize over what areas of town they should establish in an office to attract workforce candidates. And it goes much deeper than that. I was really surprised by the resources that are available. I know. Yeah. I I mean, I've already, since we met with him, I have reached out to him and (laughs) sent him um, my information about seeing how we could get, Addison Prime could tap into some of those resources, especially with our federal contracts. Our wheels were were spinning off the the rails here. So uh, it it was really great conversation. Again, a deeper dive into the resources that UTSA brings to the San Antonio community and uh, really great opportunities for any of you entrepreneurs that are out there. But stick around for after the interview as we'll go over some more things happening at the University of the Alumni Association. And we'll be back in a bit. Birds up. Birds up. So I'm super excited about the conversation that we're having today because it really kind of falls in line with what I do on a daily basis is uh, business development. And I was completely surprised and amazed by the resources that are available at UTSA uh, and involving this agency. You know, the, the history of this agency is rich. The Minority Business Development Agency was created by executive order in 1969 as the only federal agency solely dedicated to the growth and global competitiveness of minority business enterprises. And in 2021, 
one, Biden signed the Minority Business Development Act and is one of the most significant pieces of legislation impacting the minority business community in the last 50 years. And UTSA has a direct tie as today we welcome Charlie Moak, who's a senior business development specialist for UTSA's MBDA centers. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, we kind of got off to a great start and we didn't hit record yet. So I'm going to have to have Charlie say a lot of things <laughs> over again. Uh, but I really want to start with the question that I had asked before we hit record was, how is your agency tied into UTSA? So we are part of the Institute for Economic Development, which is under Red Key, which is the research and economic development arm of UTSA. So we have been around for 40 years. Under that flag, Rod McSherry, who is our lead, our, our boss, is kind of the guy that directs all the 10, the 10 different divisions under the IED or the Institute for Economic Development. Mm-hmm. MBDA is one of those 10. So MBDA in San Antonio is unique also that we have all three legs of MBDA sitting in one office. So we have the domestic center, which I represent, and that is the longest standing division. Then we have the international division, which will help anybody that decides that they want to export their product to anywhere in the world. Mm. So we have specialists that work, and the majority of our work is done in either Latin America or Mexico, but we do work all over. We also have other international offices throughout the United States that we work with hand in hand to make sure that we've got the right resources and the right, I guess, steps, processes to make sure that we get these individual businesses, their product out to the right people. Mm. And then we have advanced manufacturing. So advanced manufacturing came into play when manufacturing started kind of offshoring. And now they're beginning to bring things back to the U.S. and creating different processes here, which are more automated. So you see a lot of the onshoring going to Mexico and to South America. So our division actually works directly with those companies. So, again, under the Institute for Economic Development, there's 10 different areas Mm -hmm. that can actually assist business across the board. Hmm. So for 40 years, there's a tie to UTSA. And it's kind of one of those things, too, where. And I, I see this in my industry, too, where there's a lot of resources that are available. And some of the guests that we've spoken to, too, these tie to access to to ways to either do business better or have better connections and utilize all the resources that are available within San Antonio. The deep connection of for how long you guys have been tied to UTSA is completely incredible. And um, you, you had named the Red Key connection. What is that and how is that pivoted underneath UTSA? So under UTSA, Red Key is actually our research and economic development division. So under that, you've got all of the chemical, medical, uh, scientific research, engineering, et cetera, under that division, along with the economic development arm, which is the Institute for Economic Development. We are housed out of the downtown campus, and we've been there since the beginning. And so one of the things that, that we always say is we're probably one of the best kept secrets because the government doesn't allow us to advertise. So when businesses come to us, what we're going to do is through our Institute for Economic Development, we're going to assess the business and see which of the 10 is best to work with them. Mm-hmm. Now, in my case, I can only work with minority. And so a lot of women come directly to me and say, I'm a minority. Well, in the state of Texas, you are. <laughs> but in the U.S. government, you are not. Okay. The U.S. government does not specifically point out women as a minority. The only minority businesses that we work with 
And I'm going to read this off. So it's African-American, Alaskan Native, Asian-American, Asian Indian, Hispanic-American, Native American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islanders. Mm. And these are the only minorities that the federal government recognizes as minorities for the federal government. Okay. So we've had a guest here on the past that has worked for the Small Business Development Center. In what way is this connected? Is there a tie between people that do approach the Small Business Development Center and then get referred over to you? Or how, how does that communication work? Absolutely. In fact, uh, Lisha Garcia, one of the one of the consultants over at SBDC, and I work very closely along with Crystal Darby and, and Richard C. Fuentes, who runs the SBDC here in, in San Antonio. We work closely together because a lot of times because they are funded through SBA, mm. there are certain things that they can do, but there are certain things that they cannot do. So because we work with minority businesses, when they find a minority business, we will usually team play with that company and both of us will do what we can for them. Mm. So a lot of times we can open doors where they can't and we can provide services that they don't do on a regular basis. Mm. So our boss, Rod McSherry says, if we don't utilize more than one unit under the IED for a client, then are we really doing our job? Right. Which is true. When you have as many resources as we do, we should be kind of triaging every client that comes in the door and finding out what exactly is it that you need and how do we help you? Right. So I know, Yvonne, you've had some experience in working with the Small Business yes. Development Center. This kind of, I kind of would like to walk through what the process would be like. Yvonne being a perfect example of somebody who would walk into the Small Business Development Center and her coming with all the designations that are available. If she were to walk into the office, what is the first step and how does everything start? So the first thing that I would do is I would actually sit with Yvonne and start talking straight out. Where are you now? Where would you like to be? And what is it that you have looked into that will make a difference in your company, not just today, but tomorrow? Mm. Are you looking for growth? Are you looking to do business with the federal government? Are you looking to do business with the state government, with local city government, with the county, et cetera? And then we would look at what designations you have already, mm -hmm. which are any of the certifications that you are able to get. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you straight out that certifications are wonderful but they really don't mean a lot to the business because mm -hmm. that's just another plaque that they put on the wall or another, you know, certificate they have. Those certs or those certifications mean something to the businesses that want to do business with you. Right. Do I want to do business with a woman? Do I want to do business with a veteran, with a disabled vet, mm -hmm. with a minority, with a hub, with a historically underutilized business, mm -hmm. with someone that, is like me. I want to do business with somebody that I feel like I can trust, that we have some commonalities. Those are some of the things that we would look at first. Right. Then we would look at where you are now and what it is that you're looking at wanting to do in the future. Mm -hmm. Are you looking at export? Then we bring export in. Are you manufacturing something that you need to possibly maybe look at processes? Then we bring in our advanced manufacturing center to help also. If not, then what we will do is take them by the hand and if they're looking at federal government, then we work with our friends over our sister agency at SBDC under government contracting and make sure that you have every one of those steps that comes into play when you work with the federal government. Mm. A lot of companies come to us and say, we're ready to do business with the government. And we're like, okay, let's go through our short checklist. Right? Are you bonded? And they're like, what's that? Mm -hmm. Who actually supports your cybersecurity when it comes to your computers and your, your, your systems. And they'll say, well, 
my son runs IT for us. Right. Like, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. Right. If the government is to send you emails, who's protecting your system mm-hmm. from getting compromised? And all that information is out in the open. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't know. Then you are not ready to do business with the government. Right. So we walk them through the steps as a group and make sure that every one of those boxes is checked. Because the government is a wonderful client. They are great clients. They're great pay. Hey, we're going to get your money. Right. Right. Always. Right. And usually in most cases, if you're doing business with the federal government, you're going to be a return vendor to them. Mm -hmm. They will always come back to those that have proven themselves to them. The third thing there is once you've established yourself with the federal government, with one agency, other agencies will start looking at you. Mm. So it's a plus plus all the way across the board. But I will tell you, it's also one of those things that you've got to be very cautious about, because if you take a contract with the government and do not fulfill it, that'll probably be the last time you get one. Yeah, mm-hmm. for because sure. Because they are very unforgiving. And I, I'm saying that because of examples that we've had in the past. Sure. It's not written or anything, but it's one of those things that just like any other business. Well, I mean, you I was, was going to say, in your mouth, right? yeah, I mean, you know, if you're working for any owner or, or any client, I mean, if you don't follow through what you're going to say, I wouldn't want to do business. Absolutely. Again. Not. <laughs> you know, I mean? you know and, and, and Yvonne probably works with clients that are feeling like they want to do some business with some form of government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So each one of those levels is going to be a little different mm-hmm. with the state. You have to be hub certified. Right. And so a lot of people say, well, I'm hub certified. And I'm like, well, are you federally hub certified or are you state hub certified? Mm. Because those are two different designations. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we need to be very careful and make sure that we know exactly what certifications they have in place so that when we move forward, we know maybe there's an opportunity for them to get either hub certified with the Fed, which means that you're in a certain area. Mm -hmm. It's historically underutilized. Are you a historically underutilized business that the state will do business with you? And now every state agency can utilize your services. Right. Well, so when you're running through the checklist and you come across businesses that may have some inefficiencies along that checklist, what is the process of helping them rectify that? Then we will go step by step with them and make sure that if they can, they will get all of those ducks in a row mm-hmm. so that we can get that checklist ready so that when they do go after a bid, they're set. They know exactly what they're going to be going for. Mm-hmm. And so the good thing about that is that there's enough of us around that have played this game for a while and understand that the government is not as sophisticated as most people think, but it is demanding. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, what they want is what they want. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we recommend is that if you're thinking about doing business with the government is that you sign up with SAM.gov. So SAM.gov is actually the government's clearinghouse for everything that they buy. Mm-hmm. Everything. And even if you're not ready, then you should actually find out what your customer is looking at buying. Because how do you know if you've got the product for them if you don't even know what they're buying? Right, exactly. So SAM.gov opens up the doors to you to see everything they're buying across the board. Mm, wow. So let's go into a little bit of your experience because you come with, in with a wealth of experience. 20 years of people and project management experience serving as a strategist, a facilitator, and functional specialist. You got your bachelor's degree at Our Lady of the Lake here in San Antonio. So hometown San Antonio, Laredo. Exactly. Uh, so you made your way to San Antonio as soon as possible. <laughs> was, was born here and came back as soon 
as I could. Oh, there we go. There we go. So coming out of university, where did work begin with you? Actually, I started uh, back in Laredo. I, I started with the city of Laredo okay. and was there for about two years in the tax department. And then I met a gentleman who worked for a newspaper and he stole me away. Mm-hmm. And then within three years, we were actually purchased by the Hearst Corporation. Okay. And so I worked for Hearst for 16 years and, and really loved the publication business. It was incredible. But kind of saw the writing on the wall with with newspapers. They were becoming that antiquated form of, of news, really. Mm-hmm. And um, it's changing daily. I mean, the newspapers are not what they used to be. So uh, Hearst is really diversified in many, many other areas. And at the same time, I had to find a new way to do things. So when I moved to San Antonio and finished up my degree at at the lake, it was interesting because I I started working for a group, which was the uh, workforce division here for the state of Texas, one of 28 boards. It was one of those things that your degree has nothing to do with it, right? (laughs) I mean, I got a business degree with a a minor in marketing, and now I'm working with people that are looking for jobs Mm. and working with companies that are looking for people. And so I, I took on the business service side, became the director of business services, and then actually took over all services uh, for a couple of years. And that's including all services for all clients, all services for businesses. And wow. it was it was an incredible time. It really was. So Feather and Cap, Toyota, when Toyota came to town, I was one of the first guys on the floor, kind of helping them out, kind of setting up their system, finding out what exactly they were looking for in the way of employees. Mm-hmm. And then working with their 21 suppliers and having to keep that delineated because you couldn't have co-employment going on between mm-hmm. a huge corporation and then all of their suppliers. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a unique opportunity. The team that, that I worked with was unreal because we created kind of an in-house agency to kind of provide everybody with what they needed. And so this has kind of played a role in how I've built my career and now advising businesses, Mm. because I've seen a little bit of everything, seen startup tier one suppliers, see a major global corporation come in and work with them, and then finding out how you do business across the board. So a lot of times when smaller business come in, it's easy for me to kind of dissect where they're at and find out exactly what it is going to be, what what the plan should be sure. and where they need to go. Mm-hmm. So I, I just say I, I've been blessed to, to meet a ton of people and work with a lot of very, very giving people that were allowed to teach me different things as we move down the line. One in particular that I can think of, uh, Berto Guerra, who is uh, one of the tier one suppliers at Toyota, mm-hmm. uh, worked for AT&T, uh, was a senior vice president of acquisitions, now is a tier one supplier for a Toyota, also has a couple of dealerships in town. Wow. I think it's on Marcos and in, in, in Bernie, uh, but an incredible man who owns Avanzar, which is a tier one supplier and is also a client of, of the Minority Business Development oh, wow. Agency. And so working hand in hand with him and learning from him and finding out things that we can actually provide information to him and his team as to how they can grow. But it's 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 amazing. Really is. How did the way into the MBDA occur for you? So I consulted for a couple of years on my own and travel was was huge. I mean, it was just constant travel. So a friend of mine said, there's a perfect position for you at the university. You should really look at it. Applied, interviewed, thought there's no chance in hell. Was hired on (laughs) and uh, actually started working under the advanced manufacturing arm with Javid and uh, under Orestes Hubbard, who is our uh, executive director. And uh, as we move forward, that program ended. 
and another program began. So I'm now part of the domestic center mm. and uh, have been there now for two and a half years. And uh, it's just been amazing. It really has been. I mean, the university has been very good. I think the best thing to say is that because I love what I do, I never work. Yeah, It's just a constant passion trying to find how do you help people get to where they want to be. Right. And so if I can't figure the solution or if I don't have the solution, I've got a wealth of knowledge behind me and the other nine groups at UTSA under the IED that I can actually tap into mm-hmm. and, and, you know, bring that information back. We talked a little bit about the commercialization under Bijou. How many people know that they can actually trademark a process right. or copyright different things? The university here at San Antonio has a group that will actually help you do that. Mm-hmm. And so how many people have lost business right. because somebody else has taken their idea? Yeah. And sadly, it happens. Mm-hmm. It happens every day. I mean, do you have folks that come in and just kind of field whether or not, like, is is my idea trademarkable or patentable? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that you need to do is Bijou and his group are going to always do the research. We had one lady come in and she was creating a, a pastry, a Mexican pastry. Well, when we looked at their recipe, there was like five or six others that were almost exactly like hers out there. Mm. So because it wasn't unique, mm-hmm. you really can't go and, and trademark or patent something wow. like that because mm. it's out there yeah. and, and anybody can use it. So how do you how do you prevent somebody from using something that's out in the open? Yeah. Before we hit record, too, I mean, we were talking about the fact that this is a free resource for people to come in and, and do, right? Outside of paying for, like, if you do have an idea or, or something that can have a patent on it, you have to pay for the processing and things like that. But for aspiring entrepreneurs that are out there, especially in a day and age where the side hustle turns into the real hustle, you know, the fact that this is a, a free resource is used because I feel like a lot of people also hesitate to take the step because they feel like it's going to be some sort of a significant upfront cost. Absolutely not. And so let me tell you one of the things that that we look at is we ask for an agreement under MBDA and the Department of Commerce. We ask for an agreement. An agreement is not a contract. And we say that a couple of times to make sure that our clients know that you're not signing a contract with us. Mm -hmm. You're signing an agreement. And the agreement states simply, if we help you grow your business or if we help you gain subtraction in what you want it to do, that you report that back to us so we can report it back to MBDA National mm-hmm. and say we're doing our job. Mm-hmm. Right. It's simple, right? So I, I hate to say the word free service because right, that's yeah. to me. Yeah. So it's actually a prepaid service because your tax dollar is actually funding agencies Good like point. ours. Mm. So if you don't utilize us, then I've got to say shame on you. Sure. Right? It's the same way across the board. Mm-hmm. We are all funded through different sources of the government within the 10 groups that are at, at the IED. And if you don't utilize the services, then shame on you. Yeah. All that does is it just hesitate from stopping someone from utilizing something that's there for you. Right. And, and it's meant for minority businesses because we are trying to level that playing field. Mm-hmm. So many minority businesses have the opportunity to come in and work with all kinds of companies. And so even government comes to us, we work directly with VIA, our local transit company here. Mm -hmm. And we consider VIA kind of a a pseudo-governmental agency because they do get money from federal, state, and and local money. Mm -hmm. So they have to go through the process as if they were a federal contract. So they go out and do their bidding. They bring the, the people in. They look at three bids. And so a lot of times they will call and say, do you have any clients that fit these areas? And so we will directly send over our client's capability statement 
allowing VIA to see, is it a good match for us to even consider them to do business with VIA? Mm. Mm -hmm. So the university health systems, we work directly with them. Wow. Uh, Latifa Jackson over there is an incredible Love Latifa. Latifa is an incredible she's lady. She's awesome. I, I love her to death. And one of the things that I love about her is that she's always trying to find a way to help. Right. So she's asked me to come in and be a minor part of putting together a, a boot camp for companies that are trying to do business with government. Mm. And so we're looking at doing that now. Oh, fantastic. And so we want to take that company and, and give them all the resources that are available to them. Yeah. Because... University Health is a continuously growing business. Mm -hmm. It is funded through county, state, fed. And so she wants to make sure that every player that can play with them and wants to does. Yeah. I mean, I got to say the University Health is probably one of the, um, their model is probably one of the more successful that I've seen. I'm mm -hmm. spreading the wealth and work. Yeah. Ivan, your experience in working oh, with University yes. Health. Yeah, we've done, we've now been awarded over 20 projects with yeah. University Health. That is wonderful. And I will tell you that, again, if you do something successfully for someone like University Health, they're going to come back to you. Right. Yeah. I mean, the relationships you've gained alone. It's very true. I'm already making all these mental notes about, we're going to talk after this. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, we got to check all those yeah. boxes there. And I was, I was going to ask you, Yvonne, too, because your experience with the Small Business Development Center, mm -hmm. now realizing that this other resource is available. I mean, yeah. you're doing this, running your company. Uh -huh. You know what it feels like, yep. you know, and sometimes it can feel like that you're alone. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that the Small Business Development Center helped with was really like streamlining the understanding understanding of those certifications, what they mean, how to maximize your, you know, once you earn the certification, how can you really take that and do something with, and like you said, let your clients know and customers know, hey, we're minority owned, woman owned, all of those certifications that really help you shine in showing that you can do work as a minority owned business. Just those little things that it can feel really overwhelming and a lot of things that you have to wade through just to find what it is that you need to be doing. So you're not wasting your time or spinning your wheels because as a business owner, especially somebody where you're getting off the ground, you can imagine that the work ahead of you and the time to do it all is just impossible. But really, it's just these organizations really help to streamline that and, you know, make it clearer so you understand how to maximize your time and what is important for you to focus on as you're growing and starting and growing your business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things that I've got to say about San Antonio and, and this area is that we seem to all want to play together. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I go to different cities. I was in Corpus this week. And, and one of the things that you, you look at is they're, they're very siloed. Mm -hmm. And where, We both grew up in Corpus. So, so, you know, we, <laughs> so, so we pick up the phone and we call Latif or we call Renee Watson at the county. Renee's great, too. You know, yes. which, which is an incredible resource for Renee us. Renee comes by this office pretty regularly. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, individuals like this that, that are actually helping help. Mm hmm. That's the difference. Yep. The, you know, the organization SABOC, which yeah. is the San Antonio Opportunity Council, which brings all the government buyers together once a year. Renee's conference in December. Yeah, the SOMI conference. You know, I tell clients, it would take you two and a half years just to set up appointments to see all the people mm -hmm. that are in the room at Renee's event in December. Yeah. Same thing with the SABOC. Mm -hmm. You've got the buyers from the military sitting right there. You've got the buyers from some of the largest employers in San Antonio sitting right there wanting to do business with minority business. Yeah. And if you don't take advantage of this, 
you know, I, I don't know how else to express this, but it would take you at least two years to set up appointments and get out and meet these people. I agree. I agree. And that conference is so well attended to. And the, the program they have is amazing. And I would, I would even suggest, even if you are an established business, just to continue going because you get to meet new faces, new organizations are there. You know, even though we've this will be our third year going, I mean, it's a, one of those things that we're never going to not keep attending. And as I bring new folks onto our team, I take them out there, introduce them to the folks that, you know, we have been tremendous help for us, you know, like Renee and and folks like that, and keep them abreast of what we're doing as right. a business too. I think that part is really important. See, sometimes businesses forget that it's your job to market your business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not my job. Right. right. My job is to get you to the door. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to you. Once I open the door, it's up to you to get in there and sell it. Right. Yeah. Because I can't do that for you. I don't represent your business. Mm-hmm. You do. And you're the only person that truly knows what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so the the capability statement, which is a huge thing that, that I, all of us kind of preach, is your company's resume. So when we ask you to put together a, a capability statement, just like a resume, it could change every time you look at an RFP or RFQ. Right, right. Companies need to start looking at this because the buyer is going to look for something. Now, I will tell you that talking to a lot of the buyers – a lot of them are very well versed in all areas, but some are not. Mm. So they look at what is my company trying to buy and what do I have to offer them? Mm-hmm. So it's almost apples to apples. Can we put these two together and say we've got a good match? Mm. That capability statement that you provide that company will give you either a leg up or a way out. Right. So do you have the resources to help people put together their capability statements? Absolutely. Almost all divisions at UTSA that work directly with clients will be able to help somebody put together a capability statement. We have templates that we will actually help you walk through the process and put it together so that you don't have a problem. It's it's simple. And in fact, uh, one client asked me, well, this RFQ asks for something different. I said, change your capability statement. If you can do it, then put it down. Time to update it. You know, and it's, it's going to be different. It's like a resume. You're, the job is asking for skills that you have that maybe you haven't utilized in four years. Mm. But those skills have not gone away. Right. Bring them to the forefront. Bring them to the top so that they know you can do that. I can very easily do what you're asking me to do. Right. So how often can people come to you? So let's say in this case, you have a, a company that comes in. You help them put together their capability statement because they want to go after this one buyer or one segment of business. And then they maybe work there and they're thinking about coming back and going to another. Can they come to you guys to also help them update? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're here as a consultant group to work with them. And we can work with them once a week. We can work with them once a month, wow. once a year, depending on depending on what their need the needs, is, right? right? And we're the only government agency that is actually sanctioned to work with nonprofits. So we work with nonprofits also. Mm. And those nonprofits, a lot of times, I look at the Lighthouse for the Blind, which I know they just changed their name and I don't know what they changed it to. But they provide actual merchandise to the fire department, to hazmat units. They provide office supplies. And so they can compete for RFPs, RFQs, just like any other company can. Mm -hmm. And so they need to know, what is this company buying? What's on their bidders list? And a lot of times people say, well, you know, I'm not on the list. I'm not. Well, you need to find out how you can get there. And in the meantime, call me because we have the lists in front of us. Right. Okay. You know, SAWS, CPS. You know, Rudy runs a great team over at CPS. 
James Massey, who used to work for Rene Watson, is yeah. now over at City Public Service working under the minority area under the contracting and procurement area. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's another great resource. Incredible. Really is. And if he doesn't know that he's going to reach out to somebody that does know and bring back that information to the company that's asking mm. or refer them over. When I was kind of reading through all the capabilities of your agency, one thing that stuck out to me the most is the access to capital and finance management. Because in the, the day-to-day work that I do, and I work primarily on the in the construction industry from an auxiliary standpoint and helping with surety bonding, which is part of the qualification of getting into federal work um, and in city and, and county work and whatnot. But the work that you guys do in offering support for commercial lending and banking, financial credit and risk analysis, SBA and conventional loans, qualification and evaluation, loan and grant identification and packaging, general finance counseling, and alternative financing opportunities. Now, the fact that this is open to people to come in and ask for help on this is completely incredible. There's CPA firms that are out there that are trying to support. Most of them don't have the capacity to be able to provide that sort of one-on-one support. Yvonne's working through a program through Bear County, through the Mentor-Protege Program of AGC, where there's money allotted to help her on that endeavor. That's the first step. And typically when a small startup company that is needing help, that's where I start, is on the financial side of things. Absolutely. So. Just recently, we have a new member on our team. And so Alicia came to work with us. And so she's a a retiree from the Bank of America, Mm. has been an incredible resource to those individuals who are looking for financing because she's going to look at it like a banker would, right? Mm -hmm. not like a consultant would, right? So we have worked with clients that a lot of us have tried to get funding for. And she was able, along with another one of our partners, to get this person in front of some financing that they would have probably never gotten to. Mm. So that creative thinking, that uh, that ability to, to analyze a situation and to bring it to the forefront and say, hey, look, this is fundable. Mm-hmm. If you look at these things, that's important. So specialists like Alicia are hard to come by. Absolutely. And number two, they're invaluable. They mm. really are. So individuals on the team that have been around, including Jackie Jackson, who, who kind of runs our area, Uh, have been in the business for years. Mm. And so this knowledge is not something that you just obtain overnight. Mm -hmm. It is something that the the school of hard knocks, the, you know, the the realization of working with other people and other businesses brings it to us. So a lot of people have no idea that there are ways that you can finance when you have invoices. Right. Yeah. And so if you've got invoices and you don't have the cash, we have groups that we work with that can actually provide money up front because they know you have those POs. Right. Mm-hmm. And for a percentage of that PO, they're going to give you the money. Right. Yeah. And I mean, access to capital is so huge, especially now. I feel like the banks are kind of pulling back a little bit and we're kind of due for that. So any sort of additional resources, because I mean, it can be difficult and frustrating to navigate if you just don't have either a connection into it, somebody that can guide you through that. So, I mean, this resource is huge. Another thing that I saw was on the strategic business consulting side of things, primarily on the joint ventures and teaming agreements. Now, we had a contractor company that came in. They've been coming in probably like once a month, and they actually went through the Turner School of Construction with Yvonne. Um, and we were talking about that because they're looking at, they've got the minority disabled veteran DBEs to where there's plenty of work out there for that specific designation. But one thing we had told them when they walked into that is like, you know, that 
designation is going to be a public knowledge where you're going to be approached by other folks. And it's going to be important for you to understand what sort of contract you're entering into. Right. Absolutely. So let's say like the, the company comes in and says, hey, you know, we've been approached by XYZ company out of Dallas, the big money backers. They want to go into some federal work and team up with us. Um, what sort of resources would you bring in that? So situation? we would have to sit down with them and actually look at the entire thing. Is this good for you? Right. You know, are you going under a prime to possibly become a prime one day? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go back to Latifa and the hospitals that, that Georgia Landis is getting ready to build two new hospitals for University Health. And so the builders have already been announced. Under those primes, they're going to start looking for subprimes. And so those subprimes that actually come in and, and do different work for the primes themselves mm-hmm. can set themselves up for becoming primes if they ever grow enough to be able to do something straight out for University Health. Right. And so that's really kind of up to them. At the same time, we caution them to make sure that when they grow, they grow healthy. Right. And they grow at the pace that they can take on the business. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's many times that you will bid on three or four RFPs or RFQs. And if you get all three, you can't handle the business, right? So now you have to decide which one do I need to take on. And you're smiling because it probably has happened to you. Tell us, tell us about your experience. Yeah, please do. Um, yes. So when the water, then the faucet turns on and it starts flowing, boy, it you're really drowning, starts right? coming. Yeah. It's like everybody decides all at the same time. It's like this, the universe conspires over here to say, okay, no business, no business, no business. Boom. Here you go. Here's yeah. all these things and good luck, you yeah. know, but it's important. Yeah. To know that you've got these resources that can really help you navigate these things because at the end of the day, nobody wants to turn business away. Nobody wants to turn oppor- like I would not want to turn away an opportunity that comes to us that we've worked hard to win with our clients. And if we can navigate being successful with those projects, with being able to access these types of resources, um, that's definitely something I think a lot of people don't know about. No, and they don't. Yeah. And one of the things that we would do is let's say Yvonne got six contracts, right? Mm-hmm. And she could take on four, but then the other two, we would try to team her with another minority business mm-hmm. that could possibly maybe fill in with Yvonne's supervision over right. that contract to do the work, to do the legwork, right? Mm-hmm. And so they would become a partner. You're facilitating under. the safe, safe Absolutely. Growth. Man, yeah. you are speaking my and, language. <laughs> and so, you know, and so if we've got somebody that can do the work for you, mm-hmm. we're going to sit you two down and create some kind of partnership. Right. Because in the long run, you're providing business to somebody that wouldn't have the business mm-hmm. and you don't want to turn the business away. And you you were that contractor, too, that was yeah. looking for an opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been through that experience. Um, and I think, too, you know, as business owners, it's one thing to take a risk on working or partnering or teaming with somebody that. You don't know, you know, how do you get act, how do you get connected to somebody or a, a, a reputable business to work with? You know, that's a scary thing as a business owner to say, who would I be willing to go into business with? Because you people who lie with dogs would come up with fleas Absolutely. and you don't want to find yourself in that position. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that you all have existing relationships with people you would go to bat for and say, hey, I think you all would work well together saves me as a business owner so much time yeah. and energy. And wow. Well, I think it says a lot too. Charlie, for any- where have you been in my life? <laughs> oh my God. It, it says a lot of any company that is willing to raise their hand and ask for help. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. I always say that. And like, if someone says, you know, I just need help. Like that is like, 
a thousand times greater. The, and again, I, in your uh, in your situation too, where I'm sure that you see a lot of folks that, and like you said, the city of San Antonio, if you raise your hand and ask for help, there's typically 10 people that are there ready to help you. Absolutely. And the, the county's the same way, the state's the same way. You know, under Adriana Cruz, who is the executive director of economic development and tourism with the state under, under uh, Governor Abbott, her team is incredible. Mm. Her team is absolutely incredible. And just just being able to reach out to them and work with them directly and tell them my client is not only in San Antonio, but they're doing business in Corpus in Houston and Austin. Mm. And for them to be able to get the name out there, that's invaluable. Well, it's fascinating, too, because, I mean, from the outside looking in or if you're like, uh, let's say, in Yvonne's case, that feels like that person is so far away. Right. And here we are sitting on this conduit of communication that is sitting here in San Antonio and completely accessible. The overall capacity of all the programs, do you feel like it's underutilized? Yes. Yes. And no. Yes, because we can always help. Mm -hmm. And no, because we need more funding from the government to be able to provide more services. So, you know, it's a catch 22. But in the long run, we're going to do everything we possibly can to work with all the people that want to work with us. Mm. You know, and in the, at the same time, then just going back to our agency saying, you know, we're flooded. Mm-hmm. So now we need more resources. Mm-hmm. So how do we do this? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a catch-22, but it's a wonderful place to be. Yeah. Uh, the matchmaking, the thing that we talked about a minute ago, I think in the days of my grandfather, that was a weakness. You showed a sign of weakness. Right. I can't do the job, right? Right. Now it's almost a sign of strength. I've got so much. Who can I help come up with me? Right, yep to become a part of this partnership and grow. Mm. I think about people like Janie Gonzalez that owns Webhead and how many partnerships she's got in her business throughout the United States because of her her dealings in the computer side of it, the cyber side of it. Mm. And she's got partnerships throughout where she is a major player in that, but she's also got a partner that runs a business for her. Wow. And, and those relationships last a long time, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a partnership. And, and again, like Yvonne said, they're kind of pre-vetting that occurs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are already deep in their business uh, within your clients of understanding kind of where they're at financially. If there is a problem on particular contracts or something that there's a, access to other additional resources to where we're all communicating. And it all comes down to communication at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? Being able to talk and speak and sit down and, and try to figure things out out. Absolutely. You know, so and, and some other things that were I, I definitely don't want to gloss over these, but uh, the market research side, market plan development, uh, marketing communications uh, support that's there, the business planning we discussed, staffing, mergers and acquisitions, organization and structure, policies and procedures and general business consulting and all of this, too. So I kind of work in um, loosely on the on the insurance side of things, insurance being one of the highest expenses every business will have. If you have these pieces together as a business, that can absolutely be used in your file and marketing your insurance to bring that down as much as you possibly can. So it's all about leverage in these cases. And, you know, what do you guys do in terms of if a company comes in and says, look, all I've got in that is an idea and we're looking to get the market research in and they want to maybe put something out, maybe some feelers to see if it's a, a viable business. So then we go to Matthew Jackson, who actually runs a clearinghouse for information for us and say, you know, what do we have in this area? What do we have that we could actually provide this client with information on putting a business in San Antonio or somewhere throughout the United States that does this in particular? So they would actually go out and start looking at how many businesses within that area are there? 
And so a lot of times somebody will come to us and say, I want to put up a dry cleaner in this zip code. Mm. And we come back and we say, there's nine already there. Are you sure you want to do that area? Right. You know, that's probably a pretty saturated area and they probably have 100% of the market taking. Why don't we look at something that's less utilized and maybe there's a better option for Mm -hmm. you somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so all that information is available. You can actually look at things like that, figure out exactly how many businesses are doing business like you're doing in a certain area. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out what's best for you, what's best for the concept that you're looking at, and let's go that way. And really kind of talk through the demographics of what you're looking for in a customer and what what area has the population of that demographic the most and Absolutely. SF in. You know, where's the disposable income in certain areas? Exactly. Right? And, and, you know, are they going to be able to afford you? Right, right. Well, you are a bit of a uh, social media star too. So you had a social media post on LinkedIn that went viral over almost 14,000 oh engagements, gosh, right? Wow. 1,969 shares. So uh, that kind of ties in UTSA and establishing in 1969. But it was a simple post. And that's what gets me, right? Is it's a post where it says uh, positions are temporary, ranks and titles are limited, but the way you treat people will always be remembered. And when that started taking off, did you just wake up one day and your phone's blowing up? <laughs> it, it was incredible. It really was. I, I, I took a very simple saying and put it out there because it, it's kind of core to me. I don't care who you are. I, I don't care what title you've had in the past. My grandfather used to say, you put on your pants one leg at a time. Every man does the same thing. Mm -hmm. We treat people with respect and we treat people the way we want to be treated. And so when that took off, it was crazy because it was kind of the core of the way I was raised. Mm. You don't ever think more of yourself. In fact, if anything, you humble yourself all the time because if we don't help others, then we will never be helped. Right. And so it's simple to me. And it was great to see all the comments. It really was. It was, you know, it's humbling. Well, I mean, it resonates because mm-hmm. it's honest. In a world where, uh, especially on social media, where that is, dare to say, lacking, um, it is good to see an honest post out there. And I'm, I'm sure that's probably why it did as well as it did. But, but, you know, I have one more question before we wrap this up. But what are some of the future projects or initiatives that you're excited about within the UTSA's MBDA centers? We've got some things that are going on, and I really can't talk a lot about those, but hopefully we will start maybe working in the rural areas a little bit more. Okay. If, if, if uh, things come to fruition, then we will start doing that. And then I would be probably chastised if I didn't actually do some promotion for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. October 2nd through the 6th is our 40th Med Week, which is the coin that I just handed you. Yeah. And we so, got an awesome challenge coins, by the way. <laughs> so the, the Med, Med Week is actually our celebration of minority businesses and all those advocates that play a role in helping those businesses grow and become what they want to be. So this is the 40th year for us. We missed a year during COVID, so this is 40. Mm. And we celebrate at a luncheon on the 5th at the Landmark. It's the Embassy Suite Landmark Uh and so anybody that's interested, please get in touch with us. Still looking for sponsors, still looking for all, all of the above. We do have winners already. And I think those will be released fairly soon if they haven't been released already. Mm-hmm. But it's an opportunity for us to celebrate those businesses that were able to still re- be resilient during COVID mm-hmm. and possibly even pivot. Mm-hmm. Because right. so many companies had to decide differently as to how we're going to do things because now life is different. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, well, we will make sure I have all the information in the show notes. So if you are interested in that, make sure you get all of all the contact information for Charlie's group listed in the show notes as well. So if you are an alumni, a student, anybody in the San Antonio area that is looking for support from the Minority Business Development uh, Agency here in San Antonio, you'll have all that information listed there. But Charlie, this is really great. I'm sure Yvonne's going to want to pull you aside once we're done here because oh, yes. we've got some things to Don't talk leave. about. Uh, but we really appreciate the time today. Thank you so thank much. You, thank you all. Thank you so much. Truly appreciate the time. Birds up. Birds up. So there you have a runner nation, the interview with Charlie Moak, the senior business development specialist at UTSA's Minority Business Development Agency Center. And I got to say, really incredible the amount of resources that are available on a day-to-day basis. I work in business development and just to kind of see what sort of resources I try to bring my client base and seeing how they've had everything structured and have had them structured for 40 years yeah. uh, is really incredible. Yeah, for sure. And I'm really looking forward to the experience of working with them. And I want to share what that's like in our future episodes. Yeah. I mean, like, to me, it's kind of like them branching together, the governmental side, SBA, ways for companies can get involved, yeah. market research, business development, all of that. That stuff is uh, so incredibly valuable mm-hmm. and at the fingertips of everybody. Yeah. And uh, I do have all the contact information for Charlie in the show notes. So if you are an aspiring entrepreneur, an entrepreneur or a, a business owner already, uh, make sure you check the show notes, get in contact with the UTSA MBDA Center and learn about more what they can do for you. But Charlie, thank you so much for the interview. I know that we are going to be speaking on a pretty regular basis moving forward. So again, all the information is in the show notes. So make sure you contact Charlie over there. Uh, Yvonne, what else is happening at the University of the Alumni Association? So it's that time of the year again. The announcement of fall commencement ceremonies has been put out. So this fall, we are going to be hosting two graduation ceremonies on Saturday, December 9th at the Alamo Dome. Additional information on times will be posted uh, as soon as they become available. And also keep in mind, those who are receiving their doctoral degrees, there will be a special ceremony for them on Thursday, December 7th for their hooding ceremony. And that'll be on campus at the HUB Student Union Ballroom. So congratulations to all those who are working really hard and tirelessly to get done through this last semester and knock it out and become one of our newest alumni. Super excited. That's awesome. And I've wanted to share a little bit more on uh, one more event that's happening with Dr. Packham. On October 14th is these STEM clips happening at the Boeing Center at Texport from 10 a.m to 1 p.m. This is for the solar eclipse that's going to be occurring. The technical is annular eclipse event, right? So yeah. we uh, actually had a chance to see Dr. Packham over the weekend and he brought us some really cool UTSA solar glasses. So I had asked Dr. Packham, where can you get those things? He put me in contact with the chair and professor of the Department of Physics and Astronomy at UTSA, Dr. Angela Speck. And uh, she says that they do have the glasses for sale for cash in person at the university, okay. but you can actually pick them up also at the Whitty Museum and the Scobie Planetarium. The library received uh, also received free glasses. So every branch library is doing events where the glasses can be acquired. I'll have a list of those events in the show notes. Uh, So if you want to check those out now, October 14th should sound pretty familiar uh, because that is our next home game. So 
uh, we do play UAB that day. So UTSA uh, tailgate is listed as a place to check out the solar eclipse. Well, there you go. So uh, it's a good thing happening there. But so the STEM clips, so again, uh, Boeing Center, Techport, October 14th, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. The eclipse viewing starts at 1130 a.m. Plenty of activities for the whole family, along with discussions with astronomy professors like Dr. Packham, who will be there. And that information is listed in the show notes. Other eclipse events happening all over the city include at the Texas Wine Collective, Mission San Jose, and the San Antonio Zoo is having Yay, an event. Awesome. So really cool there. Again, kind of a tough back-to-back losses by the Roadrunners to wrap up the non-conference play, but we enter into a bye week this week as the Roadrunners prepare to take on Temple in Philadelphia. Game time has just been announced as kickoff. It will be at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time and will air on ESPN+. Plus. I don't think we have ESPN Plus at the house, uh, so another place you can go check that out uh, will be at Alamo Beer Company. But the Roadrunners and the Owls will meet for the first time at Lincoln. Lincoln Financial Field. That's where the Philadelphia Eagles play. So it'll be a cool, <laughs> cool deal for uh, the Roadrunners as they go out there for their first ever uh, American Athletic Conference contest. But again, an easy way to catch this game if you do not have access to ESPN Plus is at the official UTSA Alumni Association watch party at Alamo Beer Company. So keep an eye out for the times there. Again, kickoff will be at 1 p.m. Central Time. Our next home game is slated for October 14th at UAB, the same day as the solar eclipse. Kickoff time is not been announced yet, but make sure you plan to go to the UTSA Alumni Association Forever Rowdy Tailgate that will kick off three hours before kickoff time. And this is at the Hofkin lot and with food, drinks, family-friendly activities, carnival style, which means entry into the tailgate is free for everyone and coupons will be available to purchase for enjoying food and drinks from various vendors, including La Gloria and our famous alumni grill team. And we'll also have special appearances from the Spirit of San Antonio, Rowdy the Roadrunner, and UTSA Cheer. But thank you so much for listening. Thank Thank you so much for downloading. If there's anything you can do, make sure you subscribe and leave us that five-star rating review as it helps us more than you know. We come out with new episodes every other Friday at 6 a.m. And we'll catch you on the next one. Birds up. Birds up.